0: Welcome to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, coming to you on this fine Monday evening to talk about the best fantasy basketball shooting guards in your draft this year. Now, Noah, this is actually take two for us uh, because my internet uh, cut out on our first attempt. So let's make it snappy. Let's just get right into this list. Are you good with that?
1: Uh, We're not going to talk about how sad I was, Colin.
0: Okay, Noah. Do you you're not sad? care about Are my mental sad? health, dude? I care very much about your mental health. I care so much, Noah. Has anything in the last uh, twelve hours of the sports day happened that would be caused to upset you? Um, the White
1: Sox suck. The Brewers suck, and the Colts suck.
0: Okay, the White Sox might not suck. Yeah, if they so... win tomorrow, they
1: don't suck anymore.
0: Yeah. And I'll be there. So they really better not lose. Cause so if Colin, you know, if you're changed. going
1: to the White Sox game tomorrow, you know, meet up with our boy Colin, buy him a Chicago dog.
0: I'll <laughs> buy you a beer, you know. <laughs> Only if, if we you're lose, 21. We can throw him on the field. Yeah. Yeah. 21, please. Yeah. 22, preferably, but you know, <laughs> we'll cut it. We'll make the cut. <laughs> yeah. Tough, tough day for us, no, really. That, you know, the feed cutting out. Ugh, it's just it's rough stuff but we're gonna persevere and we're gonna do the shooting guard rankings no you're pretty sad how do you feel about shooting guards
1: um the top 10 of this list con I'm really happy with um, I think the shooting guard um, talent slash depth this year is very top heavy I do feel if you're not getting one mm-hmm. of these top 10 shooting guards con that you can almost just punt it at that point and just pick up other players that are in deeper positions because half of this list column, it was very hard to rank them because half of this list is going to score like 15 points and put up two rebounds, two assists.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really kind of a weird list to look at and try and rank. I have a great feeling that a good 15 of these guys are just always going to be available on the waivers because there's really no justification to hold a roster spot for them. So you're going to have guys that are just totally on the spin cycle. You're picking them up, you're dropping them, because holding a roster spot for a dude that's averaging 13-3-3 three and three just sometimes really isn't it. So obviously some of these guys will emerge, and they will be on rosters the entirety of the year. But a lot of these guys just won't, and we are here to kind of let you know how to decipher those. But let's get into this top section first, because this is, this is a real meaty part, and we can go through this top tier that we have. And just so you know, Noah and I have kind of tiered uh, the, our rankings into kind of this all-star, superstar category, really solid contributor. Uh, Some upside, and then the fourth category, which is just, like, these guys will be available on the waivers. Like, that's just how it's going to be. So, without further ado, Noah, should we get into the top five?
1: We should.
0: Alrighty. Why don't you kind of read off maybe the first two guys, and we can really debate, because I think there's a clear top two... But where you rank them is definitely uh, subject to the user.
1: So, to me, Colin, the top two shooting guards this year are going to be Paul George and Bradley Beal. Um, we actually rank Paul George at one, and we rank Bradley Beal at two. And I just want to—I just want to hear you make the argument, Colin, as to um, pa- why you put Paul George at number one, someone who statistically wise, was worse than Bradley Beal last season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what I think this really boils down to is the fact that Kawhi Leonard is out for an unknown amount of time. It's been reported that he could be out for the entire regular season. He could come back a little bit sooner. But I think the expectation is going into this, Kawhi Leonard is going to miss at least 75% of the regular season. I think that's kind of the floor we're looking at based on reports that are coming out now. Obviously, as things shape up, we will get a clearer picture of how long he's exactly going to be out because it's Kawhi Leonard, he's pretty secretive, so we just have no clue right now. But with that, the Clippers are Paul George-centric. It's Paul George's team until Kawhi Leonard comes back. And the West is a goddamn gauntlet, No, We've known that for a decade and a half. This is nothing new. But without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers stand a real chance to you know, miss the playoffs if he doesn't play well. I don't expect that to happen. I think Paul George is a phenomenal player, which is why we have him ranked number one, because he's going to step up in Kawhi's absence. That team is going to revolve around him, and there's not many other guys on this list that are in that same scenario. So Paul George, what he does better than Bradley Beal, isn't scoring. And I think Paul George, who scored 23 points a game last season, is going to take a big jump up there. But he's a much better rebounder. He definitely catches more assists. His three-point shooting, I know, is going to be better as well. He shoots it more and at a better clip. And those things just all add up to, in my mind, a better fantasy player than Bradley Beal.
1: Yeah. Uh, the thing you said, Colin, that really uh, sets Bradley Beal apart from Paul George was that Bradley Beal averaged 31 points last year and Paul George only averaged 23. Um, but with how much the Clippers are going to need Paul George on a nightly basis, Colin, he's going to be having to put up 30 plus point games just for them to, you know, beat the Blazers on a Wednesday night. Um, so I can easily see him. Averaging 30 points, con And as you said, he already gets reb- more rebounds and assists than Bradley Beal. And he's more effective than him. And I think I think Paul George is going to finish as a top seven fantasy player this year, Con I really do think he is. Um, I think he's going to be an absolute sleeper of a pick in the first round. And this is coming from a guy, Con who doesn't even like Paul George as a human that much.
0: No, no, you have a, a very tumultuous past with... Uh... Mr. George, uh, based on, you know, his uh, uh, uncharacteristic departure from the state of Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to... Um, Is that a good way to put it? Yeah,
1: that's that's a pretty good way to put it. I kind of hate the guy, but I do see his fantasy <laughs> value. Um, I wanted to talk about Bradley Biocon, you know. He averaged 31 yeah, points last year, and that's with Russ eating up a ton of usage, Colin. Do you see – how high do you think he really could take that points per game to?
0: I mean, 31 points a game, is, that is a lot of points. I mean, that is just really nothing to sneeze at. But it's nothing that he can't do. I mean, the season prior he averaged 30, you know, with no Russell Westbrook. You know, he had – John Wall was out that year. Um, but what I really like what the Wizards have done is they went out and got Spencer Dinwiddie, who missed almost all of last season, played in three games, but the season prior was a 20 point per game guy and averaged about eight assists. I think that his volume is less than Russell Westbrook, and he needs the ball in his hands less than Russ to be effective. They're still going to run the offense through Bradley Beale. I don't see him taking the points per game higher than like 33 just because, I mean, putting up 34 a game, putting up 33 a game is ridiculous, but to bump it up to like that next level and go a couple points per game higher means that he's getting out there and putting up 40 bombs on a pretty consistent basis because 25 points is way in your average down, which is insane to think about.
1: So, is Spencer Dinwiddie the second most valuable wizard to you, fantasy wise, con?
0: Off the top of my head, I would have to say so. Um, you know, the, the rest of the team. Um, I know, like we've seen, like Thomas Bryant be fairly effective. Uh, we were both pretty high on Denny last year. You know, he's coming into his second season, so he could have some value Rui Hachimura is a guy that I am always waiting to just take that next step um but yeah Spencer Dinwiddie is just a guy who win healthy is I'm looking at in the top 4 rounds probably closer to late 3rd round just based on how that team is structured no he's a fourth <laughs> guy but still I mean that's 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 solid. That's solid fantasy value. I mean, that means you're a top sixty player, top forty five player. Yeah. Um yeah. I obviously I you know, I, I'd be rem- if we didn't mention the recent acquisitions of KCP and Kyle Kuzma. Um I, I, I don't know. Do you do you like their fantasy value? No. Yeah. That's <laughs> It's, I, yeah, like what does Kyle Kuzma do other than put up, you know, if he puts oh up 17 God. points a game, one board, one assist, I, I don't know how that makes him any more valuable than, <laughs> you slice. know, Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Kuzma and KCP, they're both waiver wire guys, Colin, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Kate, uh, Kuzma, you take at, like the 100 and – Fifth pick, just to see. There's a there's a
1: reality where neither neither of them start due to injuries or just no. I think just due to I think just due to the who the like. Why would you play Kyle Kuzma when you have Rui? And why would you play KCP when you're already running Denwitty Beal? You could just play like I'd rather play Denny Avdia, someone who has a real future with the team.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, and it, like Kuzma's value to me is really just like in the second quarter when your starters are sitting, like maybe he can cook <laughs> some dogs. Because you don't, you like, you don't need Kuzma posting up one on one with Bradley Beal and Dinwiddie <laughs> shooting doing a Kobe fadeaway. Yeah, exactly. I like, <laughs> know right. that he likes to do it. That's enough Wizards talk. Wizards way too much
1: fans too much are much creaming in their pants right now, but maybe not. We just absolutely yeah, really kind like of are. roasted you guys. Um, yeah. So these next three, this three through five con, at number three you have Donovan Mitchell, at number four mm-hmm. you have Zach Levine, and at number five you have Devin Booker. Um. Do, yes. you, do you truly like Donovan Mitchell as a? Is is Donovan Mitchell, like, the clear number three, con, or do you think towards the end of the year, any three of these guys could be the third highest shooting
0: guard? So, I'll put it this way. I think that Paul George and Brad Beal are in a tier of their own within this kind of top five. They're, like, S tier. I think, yeah. Yeah, truly, we could make, like, them their own tier if we wanted to. I, I think that's silly, but... These next three guys are definitely like very close on the same playing field. I think why I like Donovan Mitch- Mitchell the most is because he is the ball handler on that team way more often than Levine and Booker are. Um, Donovan Mitchell has proven his ability in the postseason routinely to be just one of the greatest in this game, um, and I like that the way the Jazz are set up, specifically around him being like the number one guy. Uh, he was the only guy on that team last year to average over twenty points. You know, you were looking at guys like Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Rudy Gobert, but he was the centerpiece of the scoring offense. Whereas if we look at the Bulls and the Suns, the the same can be said about Levine and Booker, but Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, McCall Bridges, to me, take up more collective shots than the rest of the Jazz players do. And the same goes for the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls are just the great unknown because we've never seen this squad. But when you're looking at, you know, Vucevic, DeRozan, Lado. Levine, Derozan, and Vucevic are career twenty point per game scorers. Like those are guys that are wanting to take shots, and so I just don't know if the mix of them is going to take away from Levine's upside. I could definitely, I definitely do see him taking a step back from his twenty eight points per game last year, and maybe being a little less having less output, but being more efficient. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, um, the thing that really separates um, these three guys, Colin, within their own, is most of these guys, Colin, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, and Zach Levine, they're putting up somewhere around 25-5-4, 25-5-5. and, four, 25, five, and five. Mm-hmm. Um, The rebounds and assists, I really don't see changing that much for any three of these guys, which leads it to be points per game that is going to be the differentiator here. And Like you said, Zach Levine, the Bulls added so much talent in the summer in Lonzo and DeMar DeRozan that I do think Zach Levine's scoring takes a bit of a dip, Colin. Um, As we saw last year, Zach Levine had to score, had to average 26-plus just for Bulls to be in games, Colin, and I don't really think, uh, and that was like on a game-to-game basis, Colin. Like, he had to average 26 per game for them to win that game, and... I don't think that's true for this season, Colin. I think for the Bulls to overall be a successful team, he still will have to average around 25. But they won't necessarily be needing it from him on a nightly basis. Um, to me, no. Donovan Mitchell, Colin, I think the Jazz have clearly taken a step, right? They're, they're, they're telling mm-hmm. the NBA world that, like, we are here. We want to be talked among the biggest teams. And I think they're almost there, Colin. and I think the last step is Donovan Mitchell taking that um, next little scoring leap. And last year we saw him average 26 points, Colin. and I think for the Jazz to be the best team, he has to get up into that 28 to 30 points per game average range. And I think that might be this year. Um, so to me, Donovan Mitchell is my most favorable out of these three. Um, The Zach Levine-Devin Booker argument is very interesting because I think Levine, the Bulls have so much talent now, Colin. um, Mm -hmm. And I think that Suns team only goes as far as Devin Booker, how well Devin Booker is playing, really. Um, And I don't know. The the argument there between four and five is going to be really close, Colin, between Devin Booker and Zach Levine.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that any one of these three guys could end up at the t- in the third spot for shooting guards. I just don't see them having the output to crack that top two, barring a major injury to one of these guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we can leave it at that, because I think that's pretty set in stone, and I don't think we're going to get a lot of pushback from people. On that, sands maybe some variation in the three to five range, but the six through ten range I think might be the meatiest part of this whole thing, because the difference between getting these guys or like the fourteenth guy is massive. Dude, it's mind. it's night and day. <laughs> like it's insane. So to run you down, my six through ten, and Noah, there's one that I've been thinking about that. I, I just I don't know what kind of season this guy's going to have. But to take you through my list, I have Terry Rozier at 6, CJ McCollum at 7, Anthony Edwards at 8, Buddy Heald at 9, and Colin Sexton at 10. Noah, where, where do you want to start in that dissecting process? Should we just go to Terry Rozier?
1: Um, is this this is really hard comp because CJ McCollum to CJ McCollum, Con he's as steady yeah. as steady comes you know he's going to get his 22 he's going to get his 20 to 22 every night but rebounds and assists wise um not as impressive as some of these other guys so i think out of this the highest floor is CJ McCollum he is the safest pick out of these five guys mm-hmm. to me but the player that excites me the most, Con, I think you know who it has to be, is how big of a jump is Anthony
0: Edwards going to take this year? I, what the hell is that, like, Timberwolves team doing? Like, just as a franchise, what are they doing? <laughs> like, that, to me, like, is the essence of... I, yes. Uh, how he's going to do. Like, you look at that team. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, that is an incredibly talented top three players. I mean, you're talking about two guys that have been to All-Star games. Cat has been on All-NBA teams, and then the number one pick in last year's draft, who showed that he deserved it. I know that you know you could make the argument for Lamelo Ball, but Anthony Edwards is good. I mean, you know you're looking at him like over James Wiseman. <laughs> 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 You're pretty you're pretty happy you made the decision you made.
1: Can can I read you Anthony Edwards' second half of the season stats?
0: Yeah, you can. Do it all sexy like.
1: He averaged twenty three point eight points per game, five point three rebounds, three point four assists on three three pointers a game, and he averaged a steal and a half. <laughs> Put him up. Oh, Should we put mama. him up? Okay. Should so, we move him up? Oh. So I think I think C J McCollum deserves the seven spot con simply because how high his floor is. But yeah, who, we, Where's the argument between? Where's the argument towards Terry Rozier instead of Anthony Edwards?
0: I think because similar idea, you know what you're gonna get out of him. The difference in his floor to C.J. McCollum's is that there's not an injury bug. He played 69 games last year, a very nice amount of games to play, has not missed much games throughout his career. I think that Hornets team as a whole is going to take a step up. I think that Terry playing next to LaMelo at his second year, his sophomore season, I think LaMelo's going to take a nice leap. Yeah, and I think that that's only going to help him. I think that's going to make him a more efficient player. CJ's do it, obviously. Do you think had it only helps concerned. him like laterally, Colin? To where maybe
1: his stats don't go up and his efficiencies go up? Is that where you're thinking yeah, for Terry? I, I
0: think that's where I'm where I'm going with this. So, you know, live look at it, let's look at Terry's kinda Mm, his second half stats are, aren't really what I'm looking for. It's maybe more like the middle of the season when LaMelo was still there. So we'll call it games 21 through 40. So, yeah, I, I'm and I'm, I'm just spitballing here. That's like a 20-game span where I think the Hornets were doing a lot of winning. I think LaMelo was kind of starting to shape into his own at that point and really start to become – the player that, I mean, we're all amazed by. And in that span, he averaged 22 points, 4 assists, 3.5 boards, 1.5 steals, shot 40% from 3 and 48 from the field on 16 attempts.
1: <laughs> wow. So if we're ranking, so to me, con the way I've kind of decided to, on my mind is Mm-hmm. C.J. McCollum, if you're looking at them floor-wise, C.J. McCollum is number one, Terry Rozier is number two, and the Anthony Edwards is number three. But if you're looking at them ceiling-wise, it's reversed, where Anthony Edwards is first, Terry Rozier second, C.J. McCollum's third. third. Um, yeah. Personally, Con, I think I would take Terry Rozier or Anthony Edwards before I take C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, okay. And Anthony Edwards just seems like one of those guys, Con, where, like, it's where the fun aspect of fantasy comes in, you know, like I'm willing to oh, take yeah. him, I'm willing to take him just to see just for the idea that he pops off this season,
0: yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, and I think I would like to do a live Noah if it's okay with you after this discussion, some edits to this list um I think starting with I like I like putting. I like moving Terry to eight, Anthony to six, CJ stays at seven. I think I like that better. I'm fine because with that. if we're talking, if we're talking about true value, and what really convinced me was that that second half stat that you read off. I mean, that's tasty. I that that's is really tasty, and I know that would have made him if he if he averaged half, that over a whole season con. That makes him a top 40 fantasy player. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that the Timberwolves as a team were pretty tumultuous and, you know, maybe not trying to win, and and so maybe that's where Anthony Edwards' 23 points a game came into play just because, you know, they were like, well, we got nothing else to do. Let's uh, let's see what this kid can do. But – I know they were underutilizing him at the beginning of the season, bringing him off the bench, and he still finished the season with twenty points, nineteen and a half points per game, three assists, five boards. I uh, over a whole season, I I just I take that upside over those two. Yeah, and yeah. I, I definitely actually, in my mind, I think. Uh, go ahead.
1: I think Cat is due to have a better season than he had last year. Colin, clearly. Um, mm, for with sure. the COVID season, he dealt with plenty of things mentally that uh, clearly affected his game on the court. And unlike Terry Rozier con, where we said it was more of a lateral move that he's playing, um, like a whole season with Lamelo, I think I think Cat and D'Lo playing better Colin, directly leads to Anthony Edwards improving his stats, straight up.
0: You think that Anthony Edwards can average twenty three? with Cat and Delo. So do you you think Delo takes the role of facilitator a bit more heavily and he's the one that has the points per game impacted? Yes. I yeah, I can get behind that if Because I think the idea I like of
1: that. I think the idea of the Timberwolves winning is does have Anthony Edwards as the second best player on that team.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah, if they really want to be competitive, and I hope they are just for the sake of that franchise, I think I agree with you there. Yeah. Alright, let's move to this next part. And this is the edit that, you know, I'm gonna make before we even talk about it. I, I'm gonna move Buddy Hield down to the 10. Um You know, just given what Tyrese Halliburton can do, I think that detracts from him. And I took a second look at his stats, and with Halliburton, he took a three-point-per-game step back. His assists jumped up a half an assist a game. His rebounds stayed the same, and more importantly, his efficiency was roughly the same. I mean, he was a 54.5% effective field goal shooter in 2020. He was a 54.5% field goal shooter or in 2021, so while I like his output more than the next guys that we're gonna get to, um, I, I just don't think that it matches Sexton's 23 points per game that he put up last year. Despite me feeling that that would go down based on the Cavs' retooling of their roster.
1: Yeah, we ha- Con Sexton is who we had at 10 originally, now at nine, but um. Explain to me, Con, why why do I not view Colin Sexton as that type of fantasy producer? Because I'm looking at his numbers from last year. He averaged 23.5 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, why is he not, like, on my mind more as
0: being a good value fantasy player? So, uh, this is just a funny little anecdote. I remember being on TikTok around week, maybe like a month into the NBA season and some ass muncher who knows nothing about what he's talking about was like I'm gonna do a blind comparison and let's see who you guys think is better. And the comparison in the stats was uh Colin Sexton to Jamal Murray. And Colin Sexton at that point had better stats than Jamal Murray and the the thesis of the TikTok was like Colin Sexton is just a- If we're not better than Jamal Murray, why do we not talk about him that way? Well, we don't talk about him that way because he's not better than Jamal Murray. He plays on the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's why he has that statistical output. Jamal Murray is playing next to the MVP. Jamal Murray is playing on a team with real championship aspirations. Colin Sexton, if he wants to put up 25 shots a game, nobody's going to sneeze. Now, what the Cavs did in the offseason, they acquired Laurie Markkinen they acquired Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro will be in his second season with the Cavs. I think that those three guys the, the two additions and then taking a step is going to take away from what Saxton is going to output. And then if Kevin Love starts playing and like actually playing I just don't see him putting up those kind of numbers.
1: So all I got from that was Sexton's as good as Jamal Murray,
0: right? He's way better than Jamal Murray. He's okay, cool, so cool, much cool, better cool, cool. than Jamal Murray. I just had to make sure, you? real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you double checked with me on that because I don't think I was very clear about
1: that. I am I am not that big fa- big of a fan of Sexton. Colin. uh just as a player, I don't I don't love how he plays, but. He does straight up put up the stats con um, in a points league. He is he is a valuable asset in the shooting in these depleted shooting guards at the minimum.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it it could just truly really be that Cleveland uniform. I mean, when LeBron is not on the Cavs, like you just look at them as some garbage ass franchise. When he's there, it's a completely different story. You just look at them as a totally different team. So I, I don't know maybe that's just the natural bias you have in your head up there, Nella. But <laughs> I I understand the sentiment of not thinking that Colin Sexton is a great fantasy player. I think because there's a there's a large crowd that believes that Colin Sexton is very overrated, and I think I I'm can in that crowd. Understand why. Yeah. I mean it's one thing to put up these numbers and, you know, be on the nuggets and it's a completely different thing to be on the Cavs. And I don't think that the Cavs are going to allow him to take eighteen and a half shots a game this year. I, I just don't see that happening. I just I just Especially like to imagine.
1: I just like to imagine that Cavs games are like congratulations to Con Sexton on his twenty straight game with twenty points. And then you look at the scoreboard and the Cavs are down like 30 in the middle of the third. <laughs>
0: They've won three games in that stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Um, Colin Sexton, you play basketball.
1: How do you want to handle this next tier, Colin? Do you just want to read the rank and how we have them listed and then talk well, about the guys that we like?
0: Can I just say one more thing about Buddy Hield? Yeah. I think Buddy Heald, in my mind, is closer to these next guys than he is the guys in front of him. But based on his historical output, I think it makes sense to value him higher than pretty much everybody else in this tier. Sands may be a couple guys that you think have some major upside, but I think that Buddy Heald's floor, what we can expect out of him and his efficiency behind the line garner him to be in this tier but i can understand if you wanted to fight me on that
1: um yeah no i agree with that buddy healed is closer to this next tier con but the points per game just put him a little bit above these guys to me yeah
0: yeah all right no i'm gonna so this next tier is uh what do we even want to call this guys that average 16 3 and 3. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> and then play the time guys that averaged 12 2 and 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's honestly pretty good. Yeah. Um uh, I yeah, I'm really I'm not in love with the ranking of this tier at the moment. this is this is where I the
1: actual it, number representation Gets a little off I think matters
0: less yes. Yeah, it's more about where yeah. their
1: group like what tier they're in
0: yeah which is different than the point guard thing because the point guards you just know so much about and they have the ball in their hands so statistically that it's a bit more clear where you're going to stand shooting guard it's just not the case without further ado the way that i have this tier of the shooting guard ranked goes dylan brooks at 11 evan fournier Tyrese Halliburton, Karis LeVert, Derek White at 15, Gary Trent Jr., Marcus Smart, Tyler Hero, Jordan Clarkson, Tim Hardaway, and then the big question mark himself, Clay Thompson. Yeah, what a tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I- I'm gonna let you take this one because I'm I'm just sitting at this and I, I'm looking at it and I'm just not loving it, but I can't figure out how to start picking it apart and do it differently because there's a better way to rank this.
1: Yeah. Um, the first guy I want to talk about Colin, is Karis Levert, who I believe mm-hmm. out of this tier of players could finish first. Um, out of this tier, he could be right there with Buddy Heald in terms of mm-hmm. production um the tricky thing with karis con is what's his health status looking like um you know last year he had the tumor on his kidney that kept him out for a lot a lot of the season and this year he's coming into the season with a fracture in his back i believe which they called minor but i feel like any fracture to your back con cannot be that minor <laughs> um no and the thing with Karras is Khan, if he has a full season on the Pacers, Con, and we don't say trade him for Ben Simmons, I think he's I think he's due for a really good year. Last year we saw him put up twenty four rebounds and five assists, Con, and I think that four rebounds, five assists is staying around the same. But if he even mm-hmm. averages 21-22, Con,
0: he's right up there with Buddy Hield in terms of numbers. Oh, he's he's above, he's exceeding Buddy Hield numbers at that yeah. point. Um, I think for sure.
1: So Levert, to me, as
0: one of the highest ceilings out of any of the guys in this group. So let me hit you with something that as a Pacers fan you're pretty familiar with. TJ Warren, the bubble god, uh, was diagnosed with an injury at the beginning of last season that the Pacers camp said, not, not incredibly serious, he's going to be back. He didn't play a single game. Now... I know that he and uh, your ex head coach had some history, and he really did not want to play uh, for what? What was his name? Was that beautiful gentleman's Nate name Bjorken, Ellen, yeah. that you just? L- Nate Bjorken. What a great, what a great guy. Um, but clearly, th- there might be some history with the Pacers' medical team being overly optimistic with guys' return. So. If I was confident that Karis LeVert was going to be healthy this whole season, I I think he would be up in that next tier. But if Karis LeVert misses two, four, six-plus weeks, I mean, that that alone is tanking his fantasy value. Uh, I mean, yeah. The
1: Pacers are saying that he's going to be ready for the opener, con, So, if he missed six weeks, I will throw myself onto the other side of the highway. You can do that? Guaranteed. That's,
0: phys- physically, that's very impressive. No,
1: I'm, you're going to be in the car driving. and I'm going to tell you to oh, okay. just swerve
0: left. Like, drift left? Because if you're in the passenger, are you no, in the back seat? Like, no, you're going like down, you're down with nut? me. <laughs> <Like> we're just <laughs> jumping the car like i'm gonna i'm gonna hit a ramp and we're just gonna i've been watching a lot of uh red bull motorsport stuff on TikTok, so i i think i can do that i think i could probably hit that <laughs> i got you
1: um i mean yeah con i i i don't like carousel Laverton injuries just go together a little too well but um I don't think there's a shady history with the Pacers medical staff. I think the TJ Warren situation. I think that. I think. Uh, I I I really don't know what to think of that, but I don't think it's our medical staff being shady. Really, I think it'd be more on TJ okay. Warren's end. Okay. Than him having well, fragile it, feet.
0: In that case, I'm I'm much more willing to rank Karis LeVert higher on this list. <laughs> Are you sure you want to put him past Dylan Brooks, dude? Yeah, dude, uh, Dylan <laughs> Dylan Brooks had a fantastic year last year. Uh, no, he I mean Dylan Brooks coming year.
1: with Dylan Brooks is coming with eighteen three and three every night. Like that's yeah. nothing to uh,
0: laugh about. No, not at all. I mean his, his three point shooting could be improved. Shit, one more three per game, he's Buddy healed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Realistically, he had almost the, he had the same points per game as Buddy Hield. Played almost all his games. Uh, I, I that's kind of where I, I just I see him progressing in that offense. I think it's a weird one. John Morant scored nineteen points per game last year. Dylan Brooks was two points per game higher, like lower than him. That's that's and wild. we just think of them vastly different. That's wild, vastly differently. So, I, I, I know that, like, in the playoffs, John Morant was insane. And you were missing Jaron Jackson Jr. for the majority of the season. I, I just think that Dylan Brooks has played himself and is such a nice role on that team mm-hmm. that he has way less question marks to me than basically every other guy in this tier.
1: Yes, his his floor is very high, Con.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you know what, I'm looking at this. Evan Fournier is way too high. He does not need to be <clears throat> this high. I mean, we're talking about a guy who... Uh, on Boston last year, he was putting up almost 20 a game. <clears throat> Do you see him doing that with the Knicks? You're looking at a, a starting five... That goes something along the lines of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, Nerlens, Noel, and Julius Randle. Um
1: that that's tough con because they did bring him there to score, right?
0: Like that that's why I, I Put him there, but now I'm thinking about it, and it's like, do you need Evan Fournier to? to Dude, I feel like his name, his
1: name being Evan Fournier, is just like this guy should not be this high.
0: (laughs) See, I think it's the other way. If this guy's name was like Dick Smith, oh no, if his name was Dick Smith, he'd be higher. If this guy's name was, yeah, (laughs) if 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 this guy's name was, you know, if this guy's name was Alec Burks. You know, oh. he would definitely, he'd be seven <laughs> spots lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. No, I, I think that's too high. But I, I'm i going to focus less on this. You have some other guys that you would like to talk about, um, and that's more important. Well, let's hear about your boy Gary Trent Jr., Colin. What do you think of him coming into this season? Gary Trent Jr. I mean, if there's a guy with the high ceiling, we're talking about Gary Trent Jr. You're talking about a a Raptors team that is very seasoned. Um, You know, they've had a lot of experience, but they're going younger now. Kyle Lowry, you know, the beloved Raptor, has departed, which gives way to a guy like Gary Trent Jr. to just really take off. I mean, we're talking about a guy that... We have seen his scoring ability. I mean, this guy can go for it. I mean, what, he had multiple 40-point games last year? No, just the one. Just the one 44-point game. But that alone to me, on a team that, you know, I think they're looking to be competitive. Fred Van Fleet, I know we expect to be very good this year. Uh, I, I just, I see a guy... Who is on a team that lacks pure scoring ability and he himself is just he's the guy at the gym that is gonna take the seventh shot after he's missed the previous six he's not afraid to shoot he can do it in multiple ways you know he's got a, a decent three-point stroke I mean he, God knows he puts up a lot of them you know he averaged seven and a half threes a game last year on a 38 and percent clip I think that he is going to take his scoring to another level. You know, we're talking about a guy who's only 23. I think that the Raptors are a good franchise, and I think they're going to allow him to succeed in that way. But he could also be shit. Yeah.
1: Um, so with Pat is... Yeah, he could be very easily. Uh, Pascal Siakam, as we know, Colin, he's not starting the season healthy. He's actually going to be injured. So... We can assume that Gary Trent Jr. is going to be that starter until Pascal Siakam comes back. But um, does it change your thinking of how productive he can be, Colin? is he, if he is coming off the bench for that Raptors team? No. It,
0: purely because we saw him play 32 minutes, albeit in, in only 17 games, for them last year. Uh, My thinking is that they're going to platoon it in a way where he's getting the same minutes as other starters across the league, even if he is the sixth man. Just because, I mean, also, you're looking at, like, Goran Dragic, who is getting up there in age now, and I really wouldn't be shocked if, at some point in the season, the Raptors just Start running Gary Trent at the shooting guard, Fred Van Fleet at the point guard, and Dragic is the one who comes off the bench.
1: Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Gary Trent Jr., Colin. Uh I think he's one of the best role players in the NBA. And I do think there's a world where he can find himself 18 points per game for that Raptors team. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think there's a world where he gets more than that. Well, okay. I guess we're thinking of different worlds. But oh, that's fine. Um, before we move on to the next tier, guys, Khan, I do want to hear you talk about Clay Thompson and what what would what, what are we expecting from him this season? Um, we already know he's not going to play until Christmas. Just just give me some Clay talk.
0: Yeah. So we're talking about a guy who hasn't played in two years. Prior to that, I think that we can consensus say he's the second best shooter this league's ever seen. He's playing on a Warriors team that needs him. Clearly, we need Steph you, put up. He put up a, a top three MVP voting season last year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> you know, they've retooled a little bit, but not much. They need Klay Thompson to be back and productive. We just have no idea if that can happen. I mean, Klay Thompson could come back in Christmas. And by New Year's Eve, be out for another four weeks. Like, that is why I have him ranked at the bottom of this tier. I mean, if, truly, if we're talking upside, Clay Thompson, you know, <laughs> yeah. could be a superstar. Yeah. He could be a yeah. superstar easily. But we don't know if he's going to play a single game. Like, there's just that aspect to it. <laughs> Everything in the reports that I've seen says that his stroke is still there. He looks good. He can do it. I think we need to see it translate to a game because it has literally been two and a half years since we have seen him play basketball.
1: And I know that your general philosophy after getting burned last year by JJJ Colin is, I imagine, would, I imagine you wouldn't be drafting Colin, or I imagine you wouldn't be drafting Clay Thompson. But how do you approach that in the draft if you are someone who wants
0: Clay Thompson? Where would you be yeah. taking so, him? So just so no and I play in a league with no IR spot, which I like because like it, it's so much more streaming focused than the way fantasy football is set up. I if if I was of the mentality that Clay Thompson is going to be back on Christmas, he's gonna miss the first six weeks or so of the season. It's eight like weeks, two probably months. two months. Eight weeks of the season. I That's would take him no fucked. sooner than my second to last pick.
1: That's a long time. Eight matchup weeks, Khan. Your season's damn near decided by yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you in terms you of can, like the road you're you going buff down, it. because I mean, the upside now is clearly that you have an all-star caliber. The upside player. is twenty plus yeah, points it, per game on yeah. three
1: threes made per game.
0: That's where the real upside yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, but he's a tough one. Personally, I will not be drafting Clay Thompson. Uh, before we leave this tier, I know we're running a bit short on time. You have to talk to me about Tyrese Halliburton and what you see in this kid this year because he was probably the, the craziest later-ish round steal of the draft.
1: Yeah, um... To me, Tyrese Halliburton was having one of the best rookie seasons I've ever seen. And I'm not talking statistically. I'm just talking about, like, impact that he had on his team immediately. Um, His impact was very much felt on that Kings um, team. And his stats from last year aren't that impressive, Colin. He only put up 13, 3, and 5. But I do think that leaves a lot of growth. He shot over 40% from 3 last season. And even while his upside is maybe somewhat um, capped due to just Buddy Healed and De'Aaron Fox also being on that team, I think he's likely to have a leap this um, this season, Con. I, I think the assist numbers are going to stay the same around five. I think he's going to average around 16 points per game, and he's one of those guys, Con, where I would just draft you know because for the fun factor of fantasy basketball again. I just I just really like Tyrese Halliburton yeah. as a person and a player. Yeah. Yeah. Um even yeah. Davion uh, I Mitchell could be it. the king's backcourt of the future, really.
0: Dear and Fox is like twenty three years old. Well, you know. Times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh let's move on to this next tier of guys that I, I just have to imagine are stream available. Um I, I'm gonna read it to you and then oh, yeah, just you can talk off. to me about some guys 22 Bogdan Bogdanovich 23 Terrence Ross 24 Patty Mills 25 Seth Curry 26 Tim Hardaway for the second time 26 <laughs> Duncan Robinson 28 Lou Dort 29 Dante DiVincenzo I'm totally messed up Will Barton, Jordan Poole Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Wayne Ellington Josh Jackson, talk to me about Patty Mills, Noah, because I think he's one of the more intriguing guys Ugh. on this stream. So, so we have to talk about
1: Patty Con. Um, Kyrie, as yeah. you guys clearly see, is missing from this list, but that's because as things stand right now, Con, he will not be playing any home games for the Nets. So immediately, forty-one games of production aren't out, Colin. Um, we can't really, we, we can, we can, straight up can't put him on this list, not knowing a clear solution to the situation that's going on right now. and Real if quick that's caveat true, to what you said:
0: what forty-one games, and then he plays the Knicks three times. He plays yeah, the yeah. California teams eight times. That's another. That's thirty games maximum.
1: Yeah, that's fucked. Uh, Kyrie, can't, Kyrie can't be put on this list. But if Kyrie doesn't play, Colin, I expect Patty Mills to have a pretty good season, honestly. Um, we were talking about it earlier. His assist numbers have actually never been that crazy, Colin. Um, I don't think he's ever averaged more no. than around three assists in any season in his career. Which seems pretty low. I was kind of shocked when you told me that, but... The three-pointing, the three-point shooting is still there, Colin. And as a, on a team that's filled with Kevin Durant and James Harden, like this guy is clearly gonna have some open shots. And without Kyrie, Colin, I can see this guy playing a lot of minutes for this Nets team.
0: Yeah. Oh, big time. Um, big time. Yeah, I think he's a nice stream option. I think you wanted to put him higher, and I maybe talked you out of that one. Okay. Before
1: um, I, I just. <laughs> Before we end this con, I have to talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich. I am um, I go. When we go made the team. list, when we made the list, I on mine, you can see off to the right con. I had him pretty high. And that was without seeing his stats, and his stats were actually like nothing that crazy. He averaged 16 3 and 3, which I was expecting to be higher. I wanted to come in with this Bogdan argument. So I was like, "Oh, you know what? He missed a bunch of the regular season last year. Let's see his playoff stats." His playoff stats were actually worse than his regular season averages. (laughs) Uh, So I couldn't come through there. But I'm still coming with the Bogdan Bogdanovich energy, Con. I think this guy's in for a really good year in Atlanta with a full healthy season under his belt, Con. I'm just looking at his top games on ESPN, Con. And in his last 20, he had had 8 out of those 20 games, he dropped 20 or more points.
0: All right, there's an argument there. You, you've argued me. <laughs> that's all
1: I gotta say. I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is a gigantic sleeper.
0: All right, uh, counterpoint guy that I forgot to put on this list, Kevin Hoiter, Herder, Herder, Kevin Herder. Wow, that's really how you pronounce his name. Herder. All right, basketball reference. It says Herder on basketball reference, so. Huerder. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, do you see him taking a step up, which means Bogdan takes a step back?
1: I don't because Bogdan Bogdan's a like starter play. on that team. That, that's what
0: makes a difference to me, honestly. All right. All right. I'll, I'll give it <laughs> to you. All right. Uh, guy I, I got to talk about really quickly. I got you three got 30 guys seconds. that I just want to rattle off. Duncan Robinson. Uh, if this was a categories list, it would be very different. But uh, Points League, I mean, he pretty much just shoots threes. He's not going to do much in the way of assisting. He'll he'll catch you some boards, but I think that fantasy-wise, he's pretty overrated. Uh, And then the last guy I want to say something quick about is Lou Dort. What the friggin' hell are the Thunder going to do this year? I, I have no idea. Lou Dort was a fun sleeper last year. He was on rosters. He was off them. Uh, I think you could stream him pretty nicely, but uh, I don't see him being a routine rostered guy. Those are the three guys I wanted to talk about. Any quick comments on? No? Um
1: No. I think we covered our list whole list pretty well. And um that's another episode by the Bench Patter Boys, the common man's NBA podcast. And the we'll be coming at you guys. With our forward rankings very soon. See ya. See ya.